0: You are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Marcus Mosher
1: and Kate Madju. The Locked On Dynasty Podcast presented by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. I am your host, Marcus Mojer, and we have a special guest today on the Lockdown Dynasty podcast. It is Ian Hurley, you go. Pro Football Focus. Uh Ian, we wanted to have you on for a long time now, so I'm really excited uh to have you. How are you doing today, sir?
0: Doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always good to uh, talk some Dynasty. I'm not I'm not a full time Dynasty guy, but, you know, as you know, you get more and more into the fantasy football world. By at some point you find yourself in multiple Dynasty leagues. And that is the case I'm in this year. So happy to uh, break down some of these uh, backfields today, man, because I think, uh, you know, as we've seen a lot of our conclusions that, you know, we were kind of holding with these situations in August have come a long way over the past few months.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. If you're covering fantasy football, it's really not any different, you know, than regular dynasty. I mean, it all blends together, right? It's it's all. Oh, yeah. We're all playing the same game here. Um, So today we're going to talk about five rookie running backs who maybe haven't lived up to expectations yet. Um, And we're going to start with J.K. Dobbins. You know, J.K. Dobbins has been interesting because. He started out so fast in week one, had the two touchdowns against Cleveland. Uh, But since then, it's been a little rough. Uh, No games over 50 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, He's been only used a little bit in the passing game. Uh, Ian, what are your expectations for Dobbins going forward this year and then beyond? We just
0: need volume, man, because right now Gus Edwards had 14 touches in week six. That's the only time all season that any Ravens running back has had more than 12 touches in a single game. Like last year, it was the Lamar Jackson show. We all know that, but they did go out of their way to get Mark Ingram, you know, usually 12 to 15 uh, touches per week, and we had Edwards involved and we had Justice Hill involved, but Ingram was that league guy, and we just haven't seen that same sort of dynamic this year. It's been Ingram as the league guy, but his kind of 50% snap share has been more close to, you know, 35, 40 on any given week and then Dobbins and Edwards more or less uh, splitting stuff behind him so I think their usage with Mark Ingram potentially out this week with the ankle injury could you know be a sneak peek into what we see in 2021 if they bring either of these guys back because the Ravens can get out of Mark Ingram's deal after this season and Gus Edwards uh, will, will also be a free agent but you know if they bring one of these guys back I think the usage you know this week and beyond could potentially tell us a lot because look they drafted the Dobbins around two to be the guy I know Ingram's a veteran I'm not here to you know put Gus Edwards down the guy's been playing great football all season but you know if we can just get like literally man that 12 to 15 touches we're not asking a lot we want 20 plus promotion on the backs I think if Dobbins in this offense can just flirt with 15 touches per week in 2021 what are we talking about legit you know fantasy football rb1 so you really
1: do believe he has rb1 potential because I'm I agree I I completely agree on the talent I there's no question there it's just the sheer volume right can he really get to 70 yards and a touchdown every single week on 15 touches. I'm just not quite sure.
0: Yeah, I'm, I think look the talents there. Uh, you know, broken tackle numbers are towards the top of the league right now. Yards after contact, the guy's a true three down back. Yeah, that's the question. It's 100% just a hundred percent just a volume question. But I think the reality that you know one of Ingram and, the, and one of Ingram and, or Edwards are not going to be back next season. Sure. And look, I mean, you look at their offense this year, and they really haven't been the same monster. And a big part of that, you know, kind of looking into it, they run the pistol uh, more than just about anybody. Like last year, they had like six hundred mm-hmm. snaps, and next offense was around one hundred and. You you know the big difference between the 2019 and 2020 ravens has been there you know just epa per play running the ball out of pistol it just hasn't been quite as dynamic i think dobbins you know you watch him with the ball in his hands he just moves differently compared to these other guys so you know one of these situations where yeah you know we're hoping a little bit for rational coaching to win out but unlike some of these other situations you know i am a little bit more confident in baltimore uh that they will kind of do the right thing play the best player uh hopefully in 2021 so yeah you know rb1 okay i'm definitely maybe reaching a little bit no, no, I, no, no. you know, I, I like it it's a, it's a fun <laughs> take it's it's well, well, look, look, I, I am a Columbus, Ohio, lifer. So, you know, I got that going for me. I should have prefaced it with that. But uh, either way, I mean, look, if we can even get 12 to 15 touches inside this Ravens offense, at worst, we'd be looking at a top 20 back.
1: Yeah, do we do we think that Baltimore is eventually going to feed him more targets in the passing game? Now, he's been used a little bit there this season, but once he becomes, you know, the lead back in this backfield, what's a, what's a realistic target goal for Dobbins in 2021? I think it's probably going to be like,
0: 50 man, honestly, and that's going to be kind of at the higher end of things. I mean, it's just yeah. a situation where I think three to five per game, most of them are going to be designed because you know, Lamar Jackson, he's kind of in that Deshaun Watson school playing quarterback where they hold the ball a lot. They avoid a lot of sacks, you know, by holding the ball a lot they are, they'll they take a bad uh, sack from time to time, but you know, they're constantly looking downfield or they're taking off, you know, that kind of area where the running back is sitting there waiting for the check down that, you know, we see uh, guys just love to throw over and over again. Just not exactly what uh, Jackson and Watson are looking to to do so I think there's always gonna be a little bit of a target uh, a ceiling cap but you know at the same time you know uh, we see us with Russian quarterbacks who are not as willing to check the ball down but we also see a Russian quarterbacks uh, how much more efficient their running mm. backs are just because of the threat that they also offer you know there's read options it's a lot harder for the defensive end to squeeze down as much as they would like when you got a talent like Lamar you know just ready to jolt on the outside the second they do
1: I'm gonna put you on the spot here uh, I'm gonna give you a couple names you tell me who you like long-term better Josh Jacobs or J.K. Dobbins
0: I would go with Josh Jacobs. I just think the, I agree. you know, the guaranteed volume is just too different. We we know Jacobs is getting three hundred plus touches in twenty twenty one. For now, it's a pipe dream for J.K.
1: Dobbins. I, I, I agree. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire or J.K. Dobbins. I would. Ooh, that's a tough one. You see, that was close. So right next to us yeah. in our rankings. That is a lot closer.
0: I would go with Clyde,
1: but just I just because think of it, the receiving potential.
0: Receiving potential, and I think, uh, you know, with the Chiefs, we are looking at worst-case a two-back backfield. Unfortunately, with the Ravens, it's still a worst-case three-back backfield.
1: Last one, uh, Joe Mixon. I
0: think Mixon got that contract. (laughs) <laughs> probably mix it, man. These are tough ones right there. Yeah, probably mix it. So look, Dobbins, he's got a you know extended range of outcomes yep. compared yep. to these other guys. But I, I do think the ceiling, you know, for a t- back of his talents, uh, is certainly with those guys. Even though, yeah, I think the floor for probably all three of those guys is a little bit higher.
1: All right, let's go ahead and move on to another rookie running back who has really struggled this year to to find snaps, and that is Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Akers was the second-round pick by the Rams. Uh, we, a lot of people were expecting him to open the season as a starter, uh, but it's been Darrell Henderson that's really become the workhorse back there. Moving forward, you know, this is a 21-year-old running back. You know, the metrics are off the charts. Um, how do we view Cam uh, Akers, Akers going forward? Yeah, it's unclear you know if
0: McVay hates acres personally or just professionally but <laughs> now, uh, yeah it's, it's a situation where I really thought one guy would be emerging from this group just because of what we've seen from the Rams in the past I mean going into this year in 52 games that McVeigh had coached I mean his number one running back had played at least 60% of the snaps obviously that was Todd Gurley for the overwhelming majority of time mm-hmm. but you know we had that C.J. Anderson stretch in the one game last year where Gurley missed time we did see Malcolm Brown uh, really kind of take a workhorse role that just hasn't been the case this year it's consistently no. been Henderson and Brown and look I think Akers is going to have games this year I'm going on, on a limb here man Akers is going to get touches in games this year here moving forward but you know it is looking more like a two RB committee than the one that we've grown used to And McVeigh, or the whole offseason he was talking about you know wanting to use three backs so we'll see Malcolm Brown is gonna be a free agent after this year so what we need is you know Akers and Henderson to form a two-back system because I don't think Henderson's going anywhere I mean he's PFF's third he has PFF's third highest rushing grade right now you know he's been their best running back and I think it's pretty close to say that for anyone who's been watching the games, but you know they drafted both Acres and Henderson high enough to obviously have a future plan with them. Shouldn't be you know just the worst case scenario ever that Akers hasn't really had much of a role this year. Again, this was the case with Henderson in 2019. Now we're seeing what he's doing in 2020. The pr- only problem is like we just don't kind of have that same 80, 90 percent uh, snap ceiling that we thought we were right. getting with whoever emerged as a Rams running back. So you know that was kind of the big you know in my opinion like the reason to love Cam Akers this year was because his kind of path to getting the a true three down role seemed like it was more clear than anyone else with Henderson's emergence I think we got to kind of adjust expectations and you know hope that he kind of gets his two back system where he can emerge as you know more of an RB2 I'm not giving up on the guy just because he hasn't been out there all that much I mean the early season injury you know for all we know could have really just uh, shifted uh, his momentum to potentially take over the backfield who knows but you know this is assuming Malcolm Brown leaves then we would need you know uh, Acres to play well enough to kind of split work with Henderson so you know among these guys we've talked about you know I I'd say I'm a little more pessimistic on acres just because mm-hmm. I think his chances of kind of getting a ton of work, uh, you know, just aren't quite as high.
1: One of the reasons why a lot of people are still so high in acres though, is because of the situation, right? If he ever becomes a lead back in that Rams offense, he's going to put up monster points. I mean, look what the raw Henderson has done this year. Look what Malcolm Brown has done when he's got a significant number of snaps. Look what Todd Gurley did in the last couple of years, the situation's great. He just needs to find his way you know, into, you know, uh, our you know, running back by committee or some way get 12, 15 touches, touches to become fantasy relevant. Uh, again, going to put you on the spot here for dynasty value. Uh, a couple guys that are, you know, being drafted are on the same spot. Uh, James Robinson or Cam Akers going forward?
0: I'll go with James Robinson. I just wrote. Really? Two. Okay. I showed like an ode to James Robinson on a uh, PFF.com that people can uh, check out there, but this guy is legit been so good. And he, you know, it's, yeah. if you look at the entire Jaguars roster this year, I think the one, you know, with respect to their wide receivers, I think the one spot that, you, that they can say, you know what, we're fine. Is that running back with James Robinson?
1: How about David Montgomery, a player that I just I'm out on. I'm just completely out on Montgomery.
0: (laughs) I would go with Acres as well. We're seeing the best case scenario volume with Montgomery, and it really isn't changing his week to week uh, production.
1: He's just so blah. You know what I mean? It's it's just and his defense. Like, look, he's getting hit
0: behind line scrimmage, and he's not sure. know he's not having a ton of chances to make things happen. But give that dude a runway, and I'm still not you know certain he's going to be getting more than ten or twelve yards in the best case scenario. Just doesn't
1: have that second gear yeah i think he's one of those players if it's blocked for three he'll get you three (laughs) if it's blocked for one he'll get you three
0: three. exactly
1: (laughs) all right let's go ahead and move on to another one uh this is aj dillon of the green bay packers notably not a receiver right Uh, i think green bay fans are really regretting uh this pick but let's talk about aj dillon uh you know this is a height weight speed running back coming out of boston college Um, You know, he's been behind uh, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones this year. Do we have any faith in that he's eventually going to take over this backfield or is he always going to be just uh, a high end backup?
0: Yeah, no, man. I have no faith in this, and it's not even an indictment against Dylan's talent or what he could become. It's just look at how the Packers view him when their starting running back was unavailable. They could not find a way to get their second round pick more than five carries in a game because of Jamal freaking Williams, man. And look, nothing against Jamal, but you know clearly Aaron Jones is a much higher caliber talent than Jamal. We've seen that you know every single week, pretty much for the last three uh, years. And the fact that they are still so set on Jamal Williams, you know, being just capable of you know this. Way down back when Aaron Jones is out it just tells you a lot about what they think about Dylan so I mean we would need one of Jones or Williams if not both to kind of exit the picture for Dylan uh, to be you know getting anything to uh, get anything near uh, you know kind of that RB2 workload we'd be looking for and if any of Jones or Williams are re-signed I mean we're looking at them being the lead back potentially 60-70% uh, snap so I think Dylan you know our best case is as this kind of early down grinder maybe 10 to 15 carries but it's tough to assume he's going to get that and you know and especially Especially if you're in here as a four point per reception league, to your point with the no pass down work, this just isn't really a fantasy-friendly situation. We want to get we want to get behind. So, you know what? Packers, they keep kind of blowing up all of our regression talks, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers just uh has his best year in years, even though they haven't put anyone around them. Maybe, you know, weird things uh keep happening here. But I just think, you know, it's a crowded backfield and you know, his chances of getting a three-down roll, he doesn't necessarily have the skill set uh to yeah. do so. So yeah, it's tough to really see a major year two leap coming.
1: Yeah. So let me lay out the case for AJ Dillon. I, I'm really trying to sell myself here because I own, own him in a lot of dynasty leagues. You know, this is a six foot, 247 pound running back with a ton of college production. Uh, ran a four five three forty yard dash. Maybe, just maybe, he's like the the next Derrick Henry, where you know the first couple of years of his career he's stuck in a running back by committee, and eventually he gets with the right team and they use him, you know, as this thumper. Uh, not not necessarily going to get a ton of receptions, but somebody who can get you 80 yards and a touchdown every single week. I think a lot would have to happen for him to get there. But I can certainly envision that scenario, given, you know, Malifor was there when they drafted Derrick Henry. He's seen that type of player be successful before. Uh, I'm really curious to see what happens with Aaron Jones contract. Does he get a new deal? If he doesn't, I think that's going to boost up Dylan's Stock quite a bit. Uh, before we move on. Do you know how many targets AJ Dillon has this year in the passing game? I would guess 0. That's a whopping 0 right there for <laughs> AJ <laughs> Dillon. So that's what makes you so nervous, right? Even if he becomes the the workhorse there, is he going to be just a, a zero in the passing game? If that's the case, then I think the upside is like what, like Garrett Blunt in New England <laughs> a couple of years ago. Like that's really that's really what we're hoping for here, right?
0: Well, and to your point about LaFleur and Derrick Henry, like, yeah, he kind of oversaw Derrick Henry, but he also played Deion Lewis ahead of Derrick yeah, Henry for DeMarco the first three Murray, months. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, I I know DeMarco had the one nice bounce back year with the Titans, but the second year was insane. And then to actually see Derrick Henry, you know, just literally sitting behind Deion Lewis up until December of that year, uh, you just hate to see it. So, yeah, I, I'm just not really... Again, I wouldn't necessarily be selling Dylan if you got him because he does have that, you know, 80 rushing yards and touchdown per game and his range of outcomes. And we, we, it's not a guarantee by any stretch that both Jones and Williams are re-signed, but just as it stands right now, it's really kind of tough to envision a scenario where he's breaking out in, in, in too big of a way in 2021.
1: All right, let's move on to a favor, favorite of the Lockdown Dynasty podcast. Zach Moss, my co-host, uh, Kate Majuk, uh, might be the, the single greatest Zach Moss fan. Uh, we argue about him a lot. Ian, uh, so far, It has not been great. 29 carries for 105 yards, averaging 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, He does have a touchdown in the receiving game, but he's been banged up. He's been playing behind Devin Singletary. Even Devin Singletary hasn't been nearly as dynamic as I was hoping. I'm just worried that this Buffalo backfield isn't going to be as fruitful as what we hoped. Um, What are your thoughts on Zach Moss going forward this season and beyond?
0: Yeah, it's just, you know... I think we overuse the term vulture in fantasy football a lot and like the idea of like a goal line back. I think generally the guy that's out there, you know, when the offense gets down inside the five yard line will continue to get the touches, you know, unless there's just a, a timeout or a major stoppage in play. I'm not saying Moss isn't their goal line back, but truly in Buffalo, Josh Allen is the goal line back. He has 20 rushing touchdowns since he entered the league. I mean, there are truly only eight players and they're all high end RB ones that have found the end zone more times on the ground since Allen over these past three seasons. And so we know he's you know anytime they get inside a 10 yard line Allen is just as good as a bet if not better to score in either of these running backs and then we got the reality that Josh Allen in 2019 checked the ball down at the single lowest rate in the league this year he's got the fourth lowest mark among uh, tw- 38 qualified QBs and check down rates so he's just a situation where Allen you know he, he makes that offense home he's the engine of the offense we've seen them you know enable Stefan Diggs and even last year Smokey Brown just fine but we haven't seen a running back really thrive in this offense at all and Singletary had the role that I think we would hope for Zach Moss in 2019. And even he couldn't provide more than, you know, kind of low end uh, RB2 production as the best case. So the touchdowns are going to be limited. The targets are going to be limited. And that's, you know, assuming that Moss could somehow kind of break out of this two back committee. So, you know, again, even before we kind of dive into what kind of type of talent Moss or Singletary has and who deserves to be playing ahead of each other, it's a situation where even if Moss can went out and get, you know, 70% snaps and maybe 15 to 20 touches per game, it's going to be some of the more like unfancy friendly uh, 15 yeah, to 20 yeah. touches per game uh, we could hope for so hey you know what it's a bill's offense it's going to be a uh, putting up points so certainly worse guys you can have uh than a back you know flirting with a tw- that 12 to 15 touch mark but we're going to need to see a little bit more and i think just you know the ceiling in this bill's offense as long as josh allen continues to play like josh allen uh, just going to always be a little bit limited
1: yeah I was, I was just about to say that i feel like even at the best-case scenario here, Zach Moss is at RB2. You're right. Yeah. I, I can't envision him as anything more than that because you mentioned Josh Allen near the goal line. Uh, I don't think Josh Allen is going to be a quarterback that feeds targets to the running backs consistently. Um, I'm also getting – I, I apologize to Kate. She's going to listen to this podcast and be so <laughs> mad at me. But I'm getting some David Montgomery vibes with, with Zach Moss, and that makes me uh, not feel great because, he, I mean – Sure, he can break off tackles, but when you don't have that long speed, there's just no opportunity for big plays. So everything has to be a grind to get three, four yards. And that style of running back, unfortunately, just doesn't, you know, doesn't do us a lot in fantasy unless you are getting 20-plus touches every single game, and I don't think that's going to be happening for Zach Moss. So um, before we move on, long-term, do you like Devin Singletary better than Zach Moss in Buffalo?
0: Yeah, I actually would take Singletary. He's actually been popping this year. He's a top five uh, running back in broken tackles. I know I know he's a smaller guy. You know, when you do see him in these uh, short yard situations, he's not going to be able to push the pile in the same kind of manner as Moss. But I know maybe, I don't want to say underrated, because then we can call everyone in the league mm. underrated. But, you know, Singletary, he's solid. He's solid. He's not some, you know, trash back. And we see this again and again, you know, with Gus Edwards and Dobbins, even with mm-hmm. like Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor. Like, we got to give these incumbent, you know, starters and even backups. A lot of respect uh, in these offenses, particularly when they really haven't done anything, you know, excruciatingly wrong or to kind of deserve uh, to be benched. So, you know, keep that in mind when the 2021 uh, rookie RVs come in that, you know, we can't just yeah. brush these guys aside. You know, it's tough because we focus on these rookies, you know, almost exclusively every February through April. But we got to keep in mind that, you know, just having that carryover going from year one to year two, uh, a lot of these, you know, running backs that maybe aren't the stars that, you know, we would expect are still good enough to at least, you know, keep the rookies not not as involved as we would Maybe think.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm selling my Zach Moss shares. If anybody wants them, come get them. Uh, the last <laughs> running back that I want to talk about is a, a personal favorite of mine, and we haven't seen him a ton this year. But that's Anthony McFarland of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, just 13 carries for 56 yards, uh, two receptions for 13 yards. I I love the talent coming out of Maryland. This is a home run threat. He's never going to be. I, I don't think he. At least he's going to be a workhorse back, but. Uh, somebody who can be incredibly efficient can provide big plays. Uh, how do you view Anthony McFarland long term? Because James Conner's contract is up after this season, uh, we're seeing that with Ben Roethlisberger back in the lineup. You know this Pittsburgh ba- backfield. You know they can produce a ton of talent or ton of fantasy points. You know we're seeing James Conner have one of the best seasons of his career. Betty Snell's even been effective. How are you viewing Anthony McFarland?
0: Yeah, Connor, you know, staying healthy and really last week they, they got back to give him that 80% plus snap true workhorse role. Before that, I was kind of surprised to see. It's not a committee because Connor is getting, you know, usually 20 touches a week and he is, you know, the undisputed starting running back. But we have seen more you know just backup running backs involved on a weekly basis uh than in past years in Pittsburgh I mean last year was a little bit different just with all the injuries they had going on but Jalen Samuel's getting a few snaps per week Benny Snell is getting a couple mm-hmm. carries even like around the goal line and Anthony McFarland. you know ever since I believe week two uh, they've actually made an effort to get him a few touches so you know from a talent perspective it, it's you know he's someone that I saw you know run up over I'm 300 yards in my Ohio State Buckeyes so I've known about this guy for a while and I mean he can do it uh, and everything it's just okay is Connor going to be On, i imagine they're not going to sign him to some kind of you know stupid uh high money extension but maybe they kind of find a way in the middle so if connor's back that's a problem for 2021 Mm. even if he's not man like i just don't know other than it was just betting on talent why we should assume that McFarland is going to be ahead of benny snell when connor has missed time they have gone to snell you know every kind of report out training camp seemed to indicate they really like snell i would kind of go back to the offseason mike tomlin quote where he said you know that they consider connor a feature guy he's always been a feature guy but then he mentioned that, you know, behind Connor, uh, you know, that you want to have uh, different backs that can maybe combine to be that featured guy. So what we could see is maybe just a different approach from the backfield and it's Snell and McFarlane. But, you know, similar to Moss, similar to Dylan, I'm not quite sure where that, you know, just featured three down roll will come for McFarlane next year unless he gets, you know, the benefit uh, with some injuries to Snell and Connor leaving the picture.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think Connor's going to be back as great of a story as he is and being from that area. I, I just don't get the sense that Pittsburgh is going to try to pay a running back. They love Benny Snell there. As you mentioned, uh, I think it's likely that we see next year McFarland play, you know, that complementary role uh, and have, you know, Benny Snell be the starter there. So uh, I, I do think you know, if everything pans out for McFarlane, he's got some like Devontae Freeman ceiling, right? That's not completely, you know, illogical. They're similar type of players. They got a similar body. Uh, it's just going to be hard for him to get those snaps uh, anytime soon. Um, Ian, one last question before before we head out. Um, your Twitter profile says that you are the president of the Cordero Patterson Fan Club. And I want to challenge you on this a little bit, just because, uh, you know, back in like 2012, 2011, I was all in on Patterson. So when did you first start uh, becoming a, a, a card carrying member of the, the Cordero Patterson Fan Club?
0: I think it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. So yeah, I, I wasn't in there for the early Vikings <laughs> days, but I remember looking at it more. Yeah, it was with the, it was with the Raiders because he was there and you know, it wasn't exactly smooth sailing a, in that experience, but this dude they lined him up as a true running back. He ripped yeah, off he's good big as Detroit. a running back yeah man throughout his entire career like look uh people go out and uh, you know i've said this on twitter before but if you really want to get some bears fans you know uh, up in their feelings all you got to say is that cordero patterson is the best kick returner of all time and everyone will immediately throw hester out yeah but no. it's true
1: it's 100 percent true hester was the better punt returner
0: without a exactly doubt. exactly there's a difference between kicks yes. and punts so we're talking about the best kick returner ever only one team has given this guy more than 60 touches in the season the 2018 patriots they won the super bowl so i don't know man you tell me but uh, nah, i it, know it, it's 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 always a little bit tongue-in-cheek with uh, with Cordero, but, you know, he is an awesome real-life player, what he does on yeah. special teams, and truly just, you know, it's like last season when they had all the injuries at tight end, he said, play me there, just, you know, just a guy that it's it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, we can't call him the league's uh, single most efficient running back ever now. He was the uh, all-time leader in yards for carry, I believe ahead of Michael Vick uh, up until this year when, you know, that damn Bears offensive line has been uh, kind of uh, hurting his style a little bit, so now the honor actually goes to uh, Brad Smith, the uh, kind of original yeah, cool version yeah. of Taysom Hill, but no, I mean, uh, Cordero Patterson, man, just just a fun guy out there. I always love the you know, two or three touches he gets per week. It's a shame that you know, that someone won't ever try to give him a oh, double digit touches per game, but you know what, it, it is looking a little more rough in 2020 than it has in past years, so
1: yeah, Patterson, I think a lot of people think he was a first round bust because he was drafted by the Vikings, but listen, this is a three time all pro player that we're talking Thank about. You. Thank and you. I mean, how many games has he changed because of the way that he can, you know, return kicks? I believe his kick return average uh, is like 30 or something like that. It's awfully close to that. He's had a couple of years where uh, he was averaging like 32 or 31 yards per on a, per kick return. So absolutely. And I also listen, I think we're in agreement, right? He's the best Chicago Bears running back by a ton right now. Correct. By a mile, man. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, I'm glad that we could end on a Cordero Patterson note. I'm sure everybody that's listening to us is, has already turned off the podcast <laughs> by now. But all right, Ian, tell people where they can find your work.
0: Yeah, man. Appreciate sure you having me on. Check me out on Twitter at uh, iHeart. It's I H A R T I T Z. And also check out the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm posting on new episodes every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, you can find those and all my articles throughout the week on Twitter. So good talking to you, man.
1: Ian, thank you so much for for coming on, and that is it for today's show. Again, you can follow the uh, the show at Locked On Dynasty. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Enjoy Week Eight, and we will see you guys next time.